Welcome back to Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast, a podcast for resilient entrepreneurs. I'm Katrina Thomas, your host, and today I chat with Andrea Smith, who's an author and stress resilience coach. Andrea just published a book called Fear Less, Live More, in which she teaches techniques to enable individuals to bounce back from everyday life and business challenges. Hi, how are you doing, Katrina? It's so nice to talk to you and meet you today. Finally. Great. Yes, <laughs> we into a new year now. I mean, we're very close and um, yeah, we start fresh with new guests, exciting guests. And I'm really happy to have you in the studio because you have an amazing uh, story to tell. Uh, you are a former uh, nurse with more than 25 years um, of experience being a nurse and you moved to become, uh, you, you became a, a resilience coach. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about your background? Why did you make this move? So I was born and brought up in India to a quite poor background. And from a very young age, as a determined, I always, it's strange to say that, but I always knew what I wanted to do. So at a very young age, I decided I'd become a nurse, and I did. Um, I have been a registered nurse for a very, very long time. But I encounter being brought up in, uh, in India with a poor background, a lot of fear, a lot of money problems, a lot of negativity, a lot of criticism. And despite of that, I wanted to make something of myself. I wanted to shine and be of service to others. So um, I uh, decided to become a nurse and then provide a service at that time. But a few years ago, I found myself in New Zealand on the other side of the world. I um, had immigrated there because my ex-husband is a New Zealander. And I went there with my children. And then I found out my ex-husband was, uh, my husband at that time was leaving me. So he left me on the other side of the world and I was stuck there with two children. I was devastated. I was really, really upset. I was a single mom. I had two children. I wasn't able to work as a nurse because I need to go through all that protocol. So I found my way back to the UK. And being human, I wanted to do something I loved and not able to work full time. I went and educated myself. So I got a hypnosis degree. I'm an NLP master's. I, I did a master's in psychology. I did all of those so I could not throw in the towel on my life, but show who I could and what. And I found that I'm really good at being in control of my own stress. So became a stress resilience coach through all the coach training I was doing, um, learning different psychological therapies and spending lots of time getting adequately qualified so I'm able to deliver this. So my own experience uh, drove me to help others. So by helping them with the anxiety, with the stress, with the overwhelm, with the guilt, I was able to help them take control of their lives and develop this very strong resilience. I call it their bounce back ability. To, it doesn't stop the challenges from coming into your life, but learning how to respond, to build that resilience, to be resourceful. I'm passionate about giving people tools and techniques to, so they can feel different and respond differently 
and live a more happy and stress-free life. Yeah. So you uh, you went to New Zealand and find yourself in this, um, you know, situation where you had to make a decision to move back to the UK. Um, and uh, th- at that time, did you have a, a supportive family to uh, to help you with this transition? No, I didn't. I didn't have anybody you in And I don't have anybody back in the UK as well to support me. I was able to find resilience from within me. Right. Okay. I mean, gosh, what what a story. And uh, when was uh, when did that happen? How many years ago? Uh, Fourteen years ago, in two thousand and six. Fourteen years. So, how long you've been um, um, a resilience coach for? Fourteen years, or Uh, I've been a resilience coach for about ten years. For about ten years. Okay, so I mean, you you've um, you've done your psychology degree and NLP and 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 cognitive behavioral therapy. I mean, I mean, and you also wrote a book. Uh, yes, could you tell us a little bit about your book, uh, Fear Less, Live More? Yeah, what, what this book is all about. Yeah. So after 25 years of this psychological and medical background that I had as a nurse, and I cared for many people, they were struggling and suffering like me, except. The doctors would put them on pills or drugs and all sorts of things that deadened them even more inside. And I felt they deserved better. And they deserved to know how and what to do there and then when they felt that stress. So I I decided to write this book, Fear Less, Live More. I called it as a uh, because I am proof of how transformation can occur. I'm proof as how you can transform your life and be better for you, not for anybody else. Um, you know, the, the biggest mental block that people face is fear. I discuss how in this book, how stress, overwhelm and guilt in great detail of how if if you do different and you take positive changes and you make positive changes in your life, you can just live a much better life, the one that you deserve, the one that you wish to have. You know, the impact of anxiety and panic attack, especially in these troubled times that we're having with COVID-19, is seen far and wide and people try to hide it and they try to be strong. But inside, it is quite hard. My book is also very interactive because they use the power of narrative questioning that helps you use provoking thoughts, but also it comes with a workbook that's complementary that you can write in it and, you know, use all these tools and techniques mm-hmm. to help you change your life. Yeah, it's like, they're like CBT worksheets, aren't they? Because mm-hmm. you can do it yourself. And uh, well, the, another question, I guess, for me uh, is, um, do you know that CBT uh, often, you know, you can go and see the CBT practitioner through NHS, but also you can go on and, and see some uh, CBT practitioners privately. Can people actually do CBT on themselves? Uh, can they actually follow the worksheets and 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 and, and help themselves whilst they're waiting? Because I guess the, the, there are waiting lists, right, to get a free help from NHS. Absolutely. Absolutely, there are waiting lists, so they can use those sheets. Yeah. But the best option is while you're in the throes of having such challenging times or difficulties or you're struggling, you might as well just book a couple of sessions while you're waiting with a practitioner, a CBT practitioner like myself, because then you'll be able to get on top of it. And then while the therapy, your your GP will recommend you to go to a therapist, while that comes through, you will already be 
there, getting, starting to get better, starting to live the life that you want. Yeah. Also, uh, Andre, quite interesting. You have a, a on, on on the cover of the book. You have a, a fish tank, right, with a couple of fishes swimming around, <laughs> and is this happiness? Is like uh, I'm just gonna ex- expand a little bit the picture. But um, I think it says happiness is like being something like a fish out of water. What does yeah. that mean? It, it means that sometimes you feel that happiness is out there and you're looking through that fishbowl. You know, you're, you're looking at it and it's not achievable. My view in my book, Fear Less, Live More, is that you can achieve this. So it's not, you feel like a fish out of water, but you can achieve everything you wish to achieve in your life through step-by-step approaches, you know, with tools and techniques, getting the right person to help you to do the things that you wish to do and to help you where you wish to be. Yeah. Um, so how how people, because um, obviously, you know, you know, mental health is, is a little bit of a, uh, there is a little bit of a stigma around the mental health. Um, and, uh, you know, many people don't really think they need um, any ma- mental health um, uh, help. Um, at, how can people, um, how can people spot that there's something wrong with them that they need to start looking for professional help? So I see most people who are really live normal lives. They don't have mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I just, classify that as they hit a roadblock. Like, you know, you're driving around the road, you hit a roadblock. Hit a roadblock. They just need some support and somebody to walk them through how they're going to overcome that roadblock. But while they are overcoming that roadblock, if somebody then gives them the tools and techniques for future reference, for future help, so they they can achieve the things they want, isn't Mm -hmm. that better than struggling on your own, uh, you know, either then going to bad habits like either smoking too much or drinking too much or, you know, doing the things that you don't want or overeating or whatever. It's better to find that support and help to overcome those challenges. And those challenges are easy. So I went to therapy after my marriage and I'm not ashamed to say that because mm-hmm. my life broke down. I struggled. And but what I realized is my why. That is my two children are bigger than me. I learned that it's a vital element in my success to live a happy, stress-free life. I had to overcome my challenges. So instead of, you know, uh, drowning in my sorrows, I picked myself up. I got out of bed with the knowledge that I can make a difference with other people because I know what it's like to be there to struggle, to to go through those challenges, to find yourself broken, lying on the floor and finding yourself not achieving the things that you want to in your life. What about you? What about your goals? So I found that just getting the support and that's many, many years ago, like 10 years ago, I had that support, but I still will say that is a crucial time and the most, the best time in my life. And I've got that support. I learned how to overcome my challenges. I learned how to to cross over that roadblock, how to be me, how to achieve my goals. My uh, achievements are all for what I have worked hard for. And now I can help people by giving them those tools and techniques and help them with the change they intend. Yeah. But, you you know, you teach uh, um, 
resiliency. You teach uh, people to overcome their stress yeah. and overwhelm. But personally, I know you've um, you've had some adversity in your life when you know you moved to New Zealand and stuff like that, and found yourself being with two kids, looking after two kids on your own. But today. Uh, do you have any mental health struggles and how do you overcome this? Do you actually use uh, any of the CBT techniques yourself? Uh, what's your sort of strategy um, to look after your own mental health? Yeah. So when you struggle with stress, overwhelm, and guilt, your body releases cortisol. So by teaching my clients how to utilize this cortisol for their well, for their goodness, is, is better than... So this is a technique I teach them is like when I, I call it their stress bucket, when their stress bucket gets full, they don't have holes in those buckets, in that stress bucket of theirs. It's overflowing. They feel overwhelmed. They feel like they're burning out. So I use a very quick and easy technique. I call it the apple awareness is it's in my book. So Apple awareness means that I will uh, I will explain each one. So the A from the apple is awareness. Why do you feel like that? You know, then P is your perception. You zoom out and get perspective of why those real issues are causing you distress and what is really occurring in your life that's really making you feel that. Then the third, um, the P is possibility. You have to face that truth that those are the things that have occurred now and you need to move forward. Um, L is listening to your inner voice, identifying those negative thoughts that are really troubling you. And E is engaging in reframing, like taking action. You reframe those negative thoughts and making them positive. So I also teach them something called a reframe funnel, like looking at that situation differently and challenging those filters, you will consider an alternative way of doing things and changing your self-talk. You'll be able to change your mindset and allow you to be in with your negative thoughts in a I can and I will mindset that is so much more positive, so much more forward moving, so much more, you know, good for you and your life and your career and your goals and and most things in your life is your confidence and you'll be able to gain that with this approach. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's brilliant, Apple, and so simple and it's kind of, yeah, it's in your mind, isn't it? Yeah. But um, I, I understand stress. I, I understand overwhelm. Uh, why guilt? What is it? Yeah, know? people don't get, but do you know, as a mom of two children, I had to go back to work. I had to, I, I couldn't afford childcare at all. So I had to work around my two children. But working as a nurse, and I was doing a nine to three, you know, getting up early, cooking all the meals, doing all the food shopping, then taking the kids to school, coming back, you know, doing the after school activities, cleaning, you know, everything because I had no support. I always feel guilty that I didn't give my kids enough. And that's what guilt is. And so I feel I felt guilty that I hadn't progressed in my career as a nurse. I had felt guilty that I wasn't giving my kids enough. I felt guilty that my work-life balance wasn't managed. And that's what guilt is. So while you feel guilty and you finally sit down, a lot of women, not most, will sit down with a glass of wine and they will, you know, then want to drink too much, like half a bottle of wine. That's their guilt because they don't feel 
what they don't understand is they are worthy. They're, they're going through a most challenging time in their life. So I teach people how to balance those guilty feelings that they feel so that they're not trying to juggle too much. And then if they drop one thing, then they feel really awful about themselves and beat themselves up. That is what guilt means is you, you're not managing your work-life balance. You're trying to juggle too much and then you're not coping that well. Because you're trying to overcome or overcompensate and mm. then you're coping with it. Do you think that uh, guilt is something that we learn to have, uh, you know, from our childhood? Is it something that comes from our families or our background? Where does this guilt come from? I mean, why, why we and, and do women actually uh, more um, exposed to this, this guilt feelings than men? What do you think? Yeah. Some men also have those guilt feelings. Hmm. uh, Some of our guilt comes from our background and some of our guilt comes from wanting everything to be perfect. It doesn't matter where it comes from. The point is what you're going to do about it. Some, yes, you're right, Katrina. It is comes from our background. It's from our learned behavior. Your mom would have said, oh, you must not spend X amount of money because you need to save or you need to do this. Then you try and work harder. But then when you're working harder, you're not giving your kids enough of time. It's you're trying to balance too much. Uh, For me, I wanted everything to be right, perfect, because I was the mom and dad to my two children. And so I was trying to balance everything. But while I tried to be perfect, I just wasn't perfect at all. So that was, in my case, that was slightly different. But other people have different issues. You know, they try and some people then feel guilty that they're not achieving their career goals. But that's not true. You know, you have to do the best what you are given and try to create that balance and then give yourself some space to let that that struggles go and learn some tools and techniques to overcome those guilt feelings so that you'll be able to be a better person for you while being the better person for you you will be the better person for your children in that process yeah, yeah, no, I do, I do agree with you, but uh, it's it it could be a learned behavior, like like you said, and uh, sometimes we just kind of we make statements and we say something to children, and then without really without realizing what <laughs> damage reaction. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have to watch what we're saying, but. Um, you know, your journey as an entrepreneur, I mean, you've been doing it all uh, on your own, right? Because it's it's you. you, you are the coach, you are, um, you know, in charge of your business. How do you stay on top of things as a, as a, as a mom of two kids and, and um, you know, managing the household and stuff like that? How do you stay on top of things as an entrepreneur? Because, again, you know, you have to learn about you know, different marketing techniques. You have to learn about, you know, doing books and, you know, thinking about your finances and all that. How do you stay on top of things without so getting overwhelmed yourself? Yeah. From the very beginning, I decided that I was going to take it step by step. So what I did was um, I've got an a incredible analytical mind. So I learned how to do SEO. So I took lots of little courses on Udemy or, you know, free courses that were offered. I learned a lot from YouTube. I learned step by step to take charge of that side of my business. And then if I struggled, I have some very close friends that will help me out and then I reciprocate and help them out. So I learned by, I don't try and do everything myself, but I learned 
step-by-step to do things. I have a strict regime now and my kids are slightly older, of course, because, you know, one is 22, one is 19. So I have the time now to devote to the business and that's how the book came out. And I have the time to learn the things that I need to in the step-by-step process. So I'm able to you know, do the things the right way and make sure that I've got everything in place so that I'm able to give my best now to my clients and I have the time to do so. Yeah. So what was your lowest sort of point uh, in your entrepreneurial journey? Did you want, uh, did you ever want to give up? I think the lowest point might have been this year in March when we all went into lockdown because I was doing incredibly well. But do you know what I did was, Katrina, to the lowest point, I sat down. I had the makings of a book already and I had about, uh, you know, a few thousand pages already written. But what I did was I actually sat down during the lockdown, the first lockdown, and we couldn't go anywhere except to the supermarket or we could go to exercise. So I actually sat down and wrote this book all out, mapped it out, structured it out, and then got some support to try and publish it. So what I did was to try and put all those thoughts during lockdown on paper while my kids were at home and while, you know, everybody was just mulling around, I was able to devote that time. So that might have been the lowest point while everybody struggled with the initial lockdown in March, even I did, because we weren't free to go anywhere, do anything. And coronavirus was a new thing. It was quite scary. So I put all my thoughts in paper and something good came out of it. I'm hoping that people will be able to buy the book and read it and use it in their everyday life, which is what my main goal is. Yeah, but I guess it's it's <laughs> we are now a little bit more resilient, I guess, because yeah. we are now sort of some areas in the UK are in uh, tier four. I mean, we've just moved to tier three <laughs> where I live, but it just doesn't feel the same as it, it felt back in March. Because in March it was just like unprecedented, wasn't it? It was just uh, good for you, you know, finding that time and finding that strength to actually sit down and put together, you know, a book. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a practical book, uh, a lot of um, uh, self-help uh, advice uh, to people um, who, who will read this book. But, you know, what's, what's um, could you tell uh, one practical tip or a strategy people can uh, apply today in their lives based on, on, on what you've written in your book? So I'm going to give you an example, Katrina. So um, um, I've, I've changed the names, of course, but um, her name is Sheila. She was struggling with anxiety while driving long distances. Um, and something happened in her childhood that really made her uh, find it difficult. So her husband wanted to go for a drive and being in the car in a long time really made her petrified. Her uh, survival response would be triggered. She would have a massive panic attack, but she didn't want to give this fears of hers to her two young children you know one was nine and one was seven so she struggled so um when she came to me this is one practical technique 
I taught her. I call it the simple focus. So um, again, um, most of my techniques are really easy because I um, I spell them out. So uh, simple, you know, if you take each letter. So S is your self-esteem. So she struggled with her self-esteem. She, um, the I is she felt really isolated in the sphere. Um, M is her mental well-being was um, uh, was she was struggling with because she didn't know what to do. Um, P, she was she used to get physical a physical reaction like she was really nauseous and would start to throw up while mm. she was in the car for long distances. L is she lost control completely. Um, um, then. Um, E, the last letter, is she had excessive thoughts and behaviors. Now, all of these things she didn't want to impart to her children. So the focus word came in. So her simple focus, her focus was F. First, we taught her how to face her fears in a very structured environment, in a very, you know, healing environment like. And then the O was she overcame that negativity. So every time she thought about getting in the car, she would get negative. She'd get very down on herself. So we had to work on overcoming her negativity. C was, we commu- she communicated with her fears with her husband, her deepest fears, even though he knew she had panic attacks, not the extent she, she had, and with the children. And then you uh, was, she understood what her triggers were. She understood what would trigger her, you know, every small thing about even learning about the driving would trigger her. And then we taught her strategies. Her strategy was a deep breathing control. She would meditate. She she learned mindfulness. And all of these strategies help her go. And recently she messaged me. She was able to do a long distance. Um, just before we went on the, you know, the third lockdown, I'm not sure. We're in tier four at the moment. So she was able to go to the beach and spent a socially isolated, you know, couple of hours um, and on the beach with her family and just enjoy it. And that's what her triumph was in the end. Yeah. I mean, that's a good case study, isn't it? Uh, Building resilience and overcoming uh, all these problems. Um, But, you know, you, you... you're working, you know, what's your clientele? Are, are they mainly, um, you know, people with corporate careers or are you also um, talking to entrepreneurs? So uh, my main clients are, um, I, I work on stress resilience with small businesses. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to deliver stress resilience to small businesses in a small setting, in a unique either right now, of course, via Zoom. But of course, when we go back, which is I'm hoping in a month's time, I'll be able to deliver it face to face as well. So, uh, you know, to learn some of these deep, deep techniques so they can use it in their family life. I also see entrepreneurs on a one-to-one basis. And I also see individuals people that come to me on a one-to-one basis. I work on their confidence, their resilience, their stress, the overwhelm, you know, when they face burnout. So I, I do all of that, yes. Yeah. Obviously, this, this podcast is, is uh, aimed at entrepreneurs, people who want to make this transition from corporate career to starting their own business. And we are discussing, this is a platform to discuss how to become more resilient. We talk about the wellness strategies and and, and, and how to look after your mental health and, and stuff like that. In your view, how important it is for entrepreneurs to actually build their resiliency? 
I think it's the most important thing because you remember most entrepreneurs when they first start out, like you say, it's about four entrepreneurs, this podcast, they are isolated. They don't know where to go and they get overwhelmed really quickly because, you know, some um, uh, a person is telling them to do this. Somebody is telling them to do that. Everybody is a queen of their own business. And, you know, lots of people are telling them lots of different things and they get really confused and really overwhelmed by what's occurring and then stress kicks in and then they get really anxious. So my view is that most entrepreneurs should learn how to take things slowly, learn how to take time out and do some self-care and learn how to work on their mental health. And this will definitely help them. Yeah, because if you look at this, uh, uh, the statistics, you yes. know, business failure sort of statistics, I mean, mental health is not mentioned anyway in that statistics, yeah. is it? It's 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 usually, you know, no market need or, you know, running out of cash or stuff like that. But the thing is, even, you know, a simple strategy of just being focused on one thing at a time can actually preserve your cash, right? And uh, I, I guess we're all guilty, you know, having this shiny object syndrome at time <laughs> because it's it's always like you know there's a new bright idea and you just think oh my god you know I'm missing I'm missing the boat I need to kind of follow and and do that and then you you end up just kind of not having the, that focus and then oh stretching yourself and overwhelming yourself but uh, you know you, you're working with um clients and you have your own sort of program and I'm just looking at your website and you have three steps um, in this step one you equip people with transformational techniques and then step two you create a bespoke resilience funnel plan and then you um, you move on to build uh, more confidence and resiliency to optimize well-being how long does it take for people to actually do your program so I have a six-week at the moment called mm -hmm. the Mindful Approach to Happiness. They are very simple techniques, whether they can take action. Um, and I also, you know, like I said, now when COVID uh, goes away or whatever, I have a unique program that I only run two or three times a year for those high-end corporate type um, um, entrepreneurs who would want to come on a retreat with me. I run that. Mm -hmm. So at the moment, I just run the six-week online course, which I walk them through once a week, hold their hand and give them tools and techniques so they're able to work and build their resilience so they get more confident in their life. Yeah, but I guess with all these programs, I mean, the problem is for people to actually do what you <laughs> ask them to do, and it's 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 getting them to actually do all those tasks and 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 fill in those worksheets and yeah. stuff like that. How do you motivate them? How do you motivate people that they actually have to do work themselves? Because again, with CBT, you you can give them the tools, but it's it's ultimately down to people to actually follow your advice and actually do journaling and, and do exercises and stuff like that. How do you motivate them? So I give them a simple worksheet, but mm -hmm. also what happens is when they come to, um, so we have a Zoom call, mm 
once a week. And during that Zoom call, I make them accountable. And because it's so easy, they find that it's easy to do. And then we talk through it and then work out where they are in their journey during the course. So that's something different about my program. I don't just let the course out into the ether space and let them, you know, buy it and then never complete it. We work for that those six weeks. So every week we have a session where I'll sit in front and I'll teach them and then we will have an hour of Q&A where they, they can learn, they can, you know, do the worksheet actually even before they leave so that they can work on themselves so they can make the changes there and then. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's it makes a lot of sense and uh, I, I guess... Thank you, Zoom. <laughs> Zoom is a great tool now. <laughs> that was spot on with the, with the platform, right? Uh, who would have known? But, um, you know, thinking about in entrepreneurship and, uh, you know, starting your own business, what do you think is the, uh, is the main mistake uh, made by a lot of starting businesses? Well, what is the, the biggest mistake um, people make when they start their business? I think people try and learn everything at once and want to be the king of their castle all at once and don't take their time during that journey. You know, if uh, uh, therapists like me, we don't know everything about marketing. So if you take your time and learn one thing at a time and then, you know, get to that stage where you've learned it all, you know how to do it and then move on. And like you said earlier, Katrina, it, it, they go for the next shining object. They haven't finished the first task and then they go to the second or they want to learn the third. So that is the biggest mistake people make. For me, uh, you know, I learn one thing at a time. I get really good at it. And then if I'm struggling, I will get the support and do a contra deal with somebody so that that person is really good at X and I'm really good at Y and then we can exchange services. So that's what people do. And I think people don't ask for help. You know, mm -hmm. most people are in the same boat that are struggling. So if you ask for help, mm -hmm. lots of people will help you. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Consistency is, is the key, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But, you know, being a solopreneur, um, do you have a support network of other entrepreneurs? Are you, you know, talking to other people who are running their small businesses? Do you, you know, exchange ideas? How do you support yourself? Um, in your entrepreneurship sort of journey? So I have a supportive network. I have a very, very good friend who's a graphic designer and a videographer, and he does quite a lot, and I help him on the contra deal. Um, and sometimes we also work together. So, you know, I do my part, that's great, and he does his part, that's great. So we both work together. Um, I also, during my writing my book, I got a very supportive coach who helped me to structure the book, to format it, to put it together. So, yes, I do have a lot of support in my entrepreneurial journey because I don't believe that you can try and do everything by yourself yeah. because you are good at what you're in your service to your clients, but you might not good at the other things. So try and get that support, which is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, you have to kind of learn so many different things and marketing. And like you said, the SEO and is, is SEO something that, that's bringing you the, uh, the majority of clients? Is it something you focus on just making, uh, optimizing your website and yes. stuff like that? And my blog and things. Yes. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, no, that's great. Uh, so, and Andrea, <laughs> um, what would be your advice or the lesson to teach to starting entrepreneurs who want to start a new business in a new year? I think um, um, there are going to be lots of entrepreneurs out there because a lot of people are really good at what they do. But I'm, I'm sorry to say some people have lost their jobs. So my advice to people is start learning now. You know, go on YouTube, go and learn the things that you so you can market your business. And my uh, the thing is, like, go out there, tell people what you do. You know, make yourself vulnerable. Show them what you do and then get that side correct so that before you start your entrepreneurial journey you know and you've got a really good ground and really good basis on the things that you're doing yeah and i guess another question i want to ask do you have any strategies you apply to yourself to keep your uh yourself well and how do you how do you relax how, how do you enjoy yourself at the weekends what do you do to recharge and maybe this is something our listeners can also do as well. I do a lot of mindfulness and meditation, but I also look after myself. I I, I really look after myself. I um, look after my mind and my body. So I, uh, at the moment, because we're in tier four, we can't, I can't go to my yoga class. So I walk, I live close to a very area of natural beauty that I can go for walks. I go for walk every day with my daughter. I, look after myself. I take time out for myself. If something is hard, I walk away, do a mindfulness or a meditation, and then I come back and I'm able to achieve a lot more than without having that supportive, you know, taking time out for myself, looking after myself, looking after my mental health. And I do have some very close friends that I talk to and I am able to get the support from them. So that's... Yeah. That's my goal. Try and, you know, get the support and take time out and look after your mind and body too. Yeah, we actually had um, had a, a, an interesting discussion with one of the guests about um, energy management, you know, that it's important to manage your energy. And again, for, 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 for some people, you know, going to nature i mean i'm, I'm, I'm like this uh if i go to na nature nature or the forest or s somewhere else uh in the nature then i can almost like recharge myself and be more productive as opposed to just kind of trying to cram in and do more in in in, in a certain period of time sometimes i find myself that you know even one one hour of really focused work can produce more results mm -hmm. and I, I guess that that that's what you're saying you know you go and sort of recharge yourself in the nature and then you end up doing more than you can um you've planned for but um just to wrap up um, um our conversation uh i guess you know this, this podcast is aimed at female entrepreneurs we might be we've had a couple of guests um um male uh, entrepreneurs as well but we might be expanding our audience next year but uh, what advice would you give specifically to female entrepreneurs or, or, or women who want to make a transition from corporate career to running their own businesses what advice can you give them so this is a no it's it's an, an advice to entrepreneurs and most people that we are living in very uncertain times with COVID-19 um, about 
59% of all adults are now either having any bereavement or isolation or loss of income, anxiety, depression, panic attacks. I would like to advise most entrepreneurs that really, really take time for yourself, find the thing that you love to do and go ahead and do it because you can do it. If I can do it and transform myself from, you know, I transform myself into being who I am today, I would encourage most entrepreneurs to take some time out, find the things that they love and then go ahead and do it because they really can. And really hone in on the one thing that you're good at and then you'll find that that will benefit the wider public. If you serve people, they will love it and then more people will come. And so that's my advice to people is really take some time out now between now and New Year's till when everybody goes back and schools are back. Mm-hmm. Is take some time out, learn, hone in on your craft, you know, find how you're going to do it, learn how you're going to do it, and then go ahead and do it because you you can do it. All of us can do it. We have the confidence in ourselves. And if you can get the support from a family member or a friend, then take that support and then go ahead and do it. Okay, thank you so much, Andrea. That's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And uh, thank you for coming and sharing your wisdom <laughs> on how to be a more resilient person, more resilient entrepreneur. Thank you so much. And I wish you all the luck in the new year and mental wealth <laughs> and strength <laughs> and uh, all the best. Thank you so much, Katrina. So, so good to be here and be present with you guys and just to share my journey. And I'm hoping other people will benefit from my journey. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show. Please send me any comments or feedback. If you're an entrepreneur and want to share your story, please contact me. The link is in the podcast show notes. Also, please see the social media links and uh, links to offers from my guests on the podcast notes. This podcast is sponsored by Smart Octopus Voice Agency, who create chatbots and voice skills on Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. So I'm really excited uh, to tell you that this podcast is now available as an Alexa skill. Uh, so you can search for resilient entrepreneur skill and enable it as a flash briefing. So that's all for me. Um, I wish I wish you good mental health and you are just one mind hack away. Till next time.